Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 123 of the Headspace and Timing podcast. On today's show, we talk about the week to change direction, a week of action and advocacy for organizations that want to make an impact in the way that we talk about mental health. The goal of this week, which takes place from June 9th to June 15th, is to increase knowledge, raise awareness, and increase support for efforts that are working to change the culture of mental health so that all in need can receive the care and support they deserve. To highlight this, today's conversation is with the founder and president of Given Hour, Dr. Barbara Van Dalen. Know those five signs. So if you start to see them in yourself or someone you love, and obviously there are more healthy habits and there are more signs, but this is a nice, simple way for, to give people enough information that if you do these five things, you're going to stay pretty healthy emotionally you at least are going to make sure that people around you know if you're not and they can help you get additional help. And you're going to know if something is going wrong that you need really to bring in and wrap around additional support and services. Welcome to the Headspace and Timing podcast, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes around veteran mental health. My name is Dwayne France, and I'm a retired Army non-commissioned officer and a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After retiring from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, then you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set correctly, however, it was just a useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing's not set correctly either. That's my goal with this show change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support service members, veterans, and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Headspace and Timing podcast. Once again, and as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn more about veteran mental health. Um, if you've been listening to the last episodes, uh, say over the past month, you know that this week that we're focusing on the week to change direction. Uh, and I'm pleased to have Dr. Barbara Van Dalen of the founder and president of Given Hour, um, Longtime listeners will know that we highlighted Given Hour back in episode 75 um, in talking about suicide prevention. Uh, but Dr. Van Dalen's coming on the show today to talk about specifically the campaign to change direction and what we're trying to do. So uh, without further ado, Dr. Van Dalen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dwayne. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to uh, make, make the schedules connect. Um, before we get into the campaign to change direction, um, if you maybe give the audience a little bit uh, briefly about yourself and your background. Sure. 
So I'm a, a clinical psychologist, a child psychologist by background and training. Um, I'm also the daughter of a World War II veteran. My father served in uh, the Navy during World War II. And like a lot of young men uh, during his era, he lied about his age to get into the Navy after World War II. Um, my uncle served in Vietnam. My nephew is currently serving in the Navy. So I come from a, a long history of, of um, service. And um, I was, uh, I grew up in California um, in the central San Joaquin Valley. It's funny when people back east, when I say, oh, I grew up in California, they go, oh, San Francisco or Los Angeles. No, there's this big, huge piece in the middle. That's where I grew up in a very rural part of the state. And um, my dad had moved my three older brothers and my mom to um, the country. He grew up in Los Angeles and he wanted to give his kids uh, a different life. Um, and he moved my mom when she was pregnant with me. And unfortunately, he couldn't have known, but by moving her, and some of the other sort of internal challenges that, again, no one really knew this was brewing, but it, it precipitated a psychotic break. And my mom was later diagnosed with schizophrenia. And so that really set the course for my life. I, I uh, grew up and uh, my parents split up when I was about eight. And my dad had tried for years to get my mom help. And there just wasn't a whole lot of help available back then in rural California. And so um, I uh, uh, grew up really wanting to understand mental health, mental illness. And I, I moved to um, right outside of Washington, D.C. for graduate school. I went to the University of Maryland and was here on 9-11. And uh, it was a horrific day for our country, for the world. And I wanted to help. I wanted to, to give my skills. I had the ability, you know, I knew about working with people who had experienced trauma and the Pentagon, Pentagon was, you know, down the road and had been attacked. And I had, I worked with military and veteran families and there was no way to give. I couldn't find a way to easily donate my time. And so a few years later, um, uh, really prompted by a comment of my nine-year-old daughter um, who kind of challenged me. Um, it was now 2004 and we were indeed at war and we were hearing about service members coming back with a variety of mental health challenges, post-traumatic stress and others. And we saw a homeless veteran on the street and my daughter uh, who never knew my dad, he had passed away long before my daughter was born, but she knew about him. She knew the stories. She knew how important he was in my life and what a great man he had been. And she saw this homeless veteran and she said, mommy, how can we let this happen to these men who served our country? And that was it. I thought, well, I don't, I'm not going to do nothing. And so that was really the beginning of Given Hour, which as you mentioned in your intro, Given Hour provides free mental health care to those who serve their families and our veterans. So that was the beginning back in 2005, which led me to do all kinds of interesting things along the way and to this conversation today. 
you know, it's always interesting to me, um, sort of the paths that we take. Um, and there's a convergence here. Um, you have direct lived experience of a family member who experienced a very significant mental health concern, right? You know, there's, um, not a lot of people who have that experience in their family, although there is a majority who do, um, and it's hidden, which is, uh, apropos to the conversation we're having now. Yeah. Um, and having yeah. the, the military background too. And so there was a convergence, um, between your father's military background and, uh, your mother's mental health concerns, um, that really kind of brought it to the point for you where, where both are very important. Absolutely. And it's, a, you know, it's a interesting, I, I agree completely. We all have a story. We all have a backstory that brings us to where we are now. And um, when I, I was in graduate school, all I wanted to do was learn how to provide um, treatment therapy to people um, who were struggling and suffering. And I got very interested in, in working with kids. And I, I worked my practice um, that I had for many, many years focused on children and adolescents and families. And I never imagined that I would start or lead a national nonprofit. And, and I never really imagined that my dad's influence, I mean, he had a huge influence on my life. Um, was it really a, an extraordinary man to step up and take care of three little boys, a baby girl, and try to figure out how to help a psychotic wife? I mean, it was really, uh, you know, Back then, in, in 1959, early 1960s, frankly, a lot of men would have walked away and let my mother's family try to struggle with this, but he didn't. And um, I learned so much from him about honor and service and integrity, but I never imagined that someday I would lead an organization that was focusing on, as you said, this intersection of trying to help veterans, which is how we began, and service members. Um, with these mental health challenges, but you know that's sort of the the miracle of 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 life and the journey. If you're open to it, it, it takes you in all kinds of interesting ways. Right, and then the experience, of course, nine eleven and nine eleven changed um, it changed the world, everything. as you said. It, it changed yeah. everything. Um, I was uh, um, it, for me overnight. It went from the peacetime army. I was still serving in Germany at the time. Uh, we went from a peacetime army to a wartime army, literally. Uh, overnight and over the the next several years, um, and and thinking about that and and where we're at now with organizations like Given Hour with the resources that are there, um, but you're right in in you know 2001 maybe the only way for mental health professionals to serve if they were not already in the DOD or the VA was maybe through the Red Cross and of course there was that red tape to be able to to do the disaster uh, relief and things with that that um, there wasn't a very easy way for mental health professionals to step in and support service members. Well, that's absolutely true. And uh, strikingly now, I think when I say this, people will go, what? But when I started Given Hour, um, there was not a lot of interest in mental health. I knew because I had worked with Vietnam veterans um, who were 10, 15, 20 years out from the war and still struggling and suffering. And so were their families. So I knew we were going to have a long tail and that there were going to be a lot of folks affected, understandably. But when I started Given Hour and I would be sitting around the tables 
in Washington, D.C. and other places talking about, you know, how do we help? And this was in, you know, literally during the, the war from 2005 on, I was there working with these different organizations and the DOD and the VA. And I got to tell you, in those early years, everybody's like, no, you know, if we get them, if we make sure that our veterans have jobs and that they have education, both of which hugely important, that, but that, that was the focus. It's like, if we do these things, they'll be fine. And I kept going, you know what, there are these, and they became known as invisible injuries and we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention. And so I was like this broken record back then. It really wasn't much of a focus. The good news is that has really changed. And we now understand the importance of getting in front of these, whenever these issues and these challenges, whenever we can. And, and that, that obviously led us to expand some the the focus of what we do right and there's this idea of uh, if we don't learn from history we're doomed to repeat it right and and sort of like well we've moved beyond vietnam and we have all of these um you know supports and we've made some differences and and you know we didn't change quite quick enough in the military um and and arguably again uh Definitely in the VA, but, but in the civilian sector. But then also as, as you went on, and this is from an outsider's point of view, um, how the, uh, mission, uh, how given our, the mission changed or, or at least expanded, um, to the, the week to change direction and having this conversation more broadly about mental health. Um, like, uh, on a very much smaller scale, I had a grant, um, that we started back in 2016 where we provided, um, no cost services or individuals that had barriers to getting into the VA, very similar to give an hour. Um, and, and it wasn't just the services that we were providing. We, I realized that in our community, we need to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health, which is where the blog came from and the podcast and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. ultimately that's what given hour was out there. You had all these providers that were doing great and wonderful things. And yet there was still a greater need. And I understand that's how the, the campaign to change direction came about. Absolutely. You know, it was, it was, it's again one of those uh, you know if I ever slow down long enough to uh, write write a book or write a chapter or it'll be a fascinating story um, how this all evolved very organically um, which I think is best you know it really was driven by circumstances in our country at the time so we were working very closely with the um, you know we we started with the Bush administration that's when we started the uh, given hour. And so I worked with some of the folks in, in that administration. And then we worked very closely for the eight years with the Obama administration, the VA and DOD and all the different agencies. And we, we were working, um, we were part of the joining forces initiative that uh, first lady Michelle Obama and Dr. Jill Biden had created really. And that there was an executive order from the president really focused on encouraging interagency um, collaboration, cooperation around caring for our military families, caring for our veterans. And we were in the middle of conversations about mental health and, and joining forces had three pillars, education, um, employment, and wellness. And they were tackling the first two first. Why? Because it was uh, easier and clearer. And then when it came to the wellness, there was a lot of concern which was really, really appropriate concern about how do we talk about these things so that we don't 
um, sort of fan those unfortunate flames around, you know, oh, veterans are broken and, and the Rambo image. And, you know, they all come home. They're all going to have post-traumatic stress. And, and no one wanted that. And it's not accurate and it's not helpful. And how do we do that? So that was sort of brewing. And I was starting to talk about this issue of we really have to get, you know, underneath and, and remove the barriers and, and those conversations were starting. And then there was a horrific, another horrific trauma to our nation, the Sandy Hook shootings um, in Connecticut. And, and it was just devastating to our country again, you know, and, and, and the question was, why did that happen? And why were we seeing these um, several mass shootings that had at the core an unaddressed mental health issue? And so the vice president's office reached out and said, you know, you're working on this, the military and veterans space. Is there a broader issue here? Is there a broader discussion to be had? And so I started working with some of my, my colleagues and it, it fit together so beautifully, this notion that, okay, if we're going to change and make sure that our veterans and service members get the help they need, we have to change the broader culture because service members, military families, veterans, they don't live in a bubble. They live in the broader culture. And as long as the broader culture was um, full of these barriers and guilt and shame and embarrassment, we were never going to get there. So the timing was right to launch a public health initiative with our veterans and our military families leading the way to change the culture of mental health. And that, that's how Campaign to Change Direction was born. See, and that's um, having this wider conversation around mental health. You say that the timing was right, uh, but also that the right individual was in the right place. You were, um, you know, a, a young lady who had grown up with a significant mental illness in your family. Um, and there were four siblings, right? You and, and your three brothers. And my that, three brothers, right, yes. That, that had, that they carried this experience. Um, and, and I'm certain, as, as many families do, as you said, everybody has a story that everybody dealt with it in their own way. Um, but it's this family secret. As you said, it's this this thing that's sort of hidden, um, at least in a military family, a family that has this military background. It's not quite a, um, a hidden secret unless the two converge. Um, but your lived experience as a child of a mother who had a serious mental illness, you were you were familiar with that shame. Oh, yes. And I would say from our experience, and this hopefully is helpful to listeners, it's not just the military families that keep this these secrets. It's every family. There, it is. This is a a uh, one of the. Hopefully, we're we're changing it, but it has been sort of one of the best kept secrets shared by families across our country and around the world. I, I speak often um, at events and and large, medium, small. I mean, like really large. You know, some are have hundreds, thousands of people. Some are small, intimate. It doesn't matter. Wherever I am, I have this, this conversation with folks about, you know, the work we're doing and recognizing that we all have mental health, that one in four of us have uh, a diag diagnosable mental health challenge. Um, now, you know, substance use and substance abuse and addiction, you know, we weave that in there. And these are our, our understandable human experiences because one in four that's huge. One in three of us have had suicidal thoughts and impulses. 
So when I'm out and about and I'm talking, I'll always say at one point during that talk, if there's anyone in this room who has not been affected by a mental health challenge, either you yourself or someone you love, raise your hand. No one ever does, never ever. But what is really cool is that people look around and you can see on their faces that for the first time they realize, oh my gosh, it's not just our family. And I almost, it's like I want to shout, no, it's everybody's family. And so this work that we're doing is really about that. It's about encouraging people to, to, to be more comfortable acknowledging that we all deal with these challenges and all of us experience emotional pain. You can't avoid life without that. Some of us have more. Some of us have more complications. Some of us have predispositions. It runs in our family, anxiety or depression. Some people like my mother through no fault of their own. She was, had the genetic wiring and boom, it just, it happened under the stress of the move and the childbirth. It may have happened anyway. So we need to move away from seeing mental health and mental illness as this, this thing that happens to them because it's really all of us and all of our families. And, and sadly, far too many of us still feel the shame and still keep it secret. Right. It's almost as if we're alone in a crowded room, right? And everyone else is alone <laughs> in this crowded room. Um, yes. I'm thinking uh, I had a similar experience. I was uh, presenting, uh, I was testifying before um, a state committee here in Colorado um, on a, a veteran mental health issue. Um, and there was a large gathering in, in the um, uh, in the committee room. Um, and, and I asked, um, you know, for the the people attending here today, if you've ever had a veteran or a family member um, who was in the military, who um, who was in a suicidal crisis or actually took their own mm. life, um, raise your hand. Mm. Um, and and nearly everybody, as far as I could tell, everyone in the room, we all know someone wow. who has taken their own life, especially um, mm. in in this uh, in this area, because there was a lot of military individuals um, that were there. And and some of it, yes, to prove the point of, you know, this isn't something that we all, uh, that we're dealing with on our own. And, right. and, and so there's this, you know, again, this sort of secret. Um, I, I really enjoyed the, the conversation that you had, um, on your episode with, uh, Vice President Biden, um, and, mm -hmm. and your guest there. Um, in, in Vice President Biden in his speech, he mentioned something about, um, this being an inflection point and in breaking down the barrier between physical and mental health. The barrier is there, but also the need is there on both sides. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we are making progress. Um, we see, you know, it's, it's, it's been um, interesting to talk to various uh, reporters, especially during the month of May, uh, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I did a fair number of interviews around, obviously, mental health and our work. And I had several reporters say to me, I don't think I'm imagining it. I think there's more out there. There's more stories. There's more conversation. There's more on the Internet. And I, I believe that's true. That's absolutely true. Now, what that is is causing, um, and again, it's not a bad thing. It's part of the evolution that we need to go through. Mental, mental health professionals are, are, are overloaded now. There are more and more people um, and more and more organizations and communities recognizing that there is a huge need. When, when we started the campaign to change direction, which the focus was on, we want everybody to know the five signs of emotional suffering. 
We want everyone to understand what to do to keep your emotional well-being healthy. We have the healthy habits of emotional well-being. We have the know the five signs of emotional suffering, good public health, basic information. And when we go out and talk, you know, several community leaders would say, oh, my gosh, what if you're right and more people are in need and we don't have the resources? And, of course, I would always sort of tease them and say, well, do you want them to stay quiet? Do you want them to, to not, not say they need help? And they said, no, no, of course. And I said, that's our challenge is to address this. So what's happening is that more and more people are, in fact, in need because they were in need to begin with. And, and our life is stressful right now. We, we're seeing indicators of that in a lot of different ways. So the reality is, there aren't enough mental health professionals in our country, period. There are not enough. There aren't going to be enough anytime soon. And so what we need to do is think differently and use our mental health professionals for people who are in need, who are the most you know, significant, have the most significant need, but we need to do a lot more upstream. And then many of us can help our family members, help each other, provide support and prevent or, or identify earlier so that people get help and save these horrible, horrible um, deteriorations that, that cost human suffering and tremendous amount of resources. So that's our work is, is changing this, this conversation, encouraging people to recognize these things about themselves and people they love and moving it out of this, this place of guilt and shame. And as you said, we have, we, people can get a cold, they can get the flu or they can get cancer and we take care of them no matter what. Similarly, you can be a bit down about a painful breakup. You can have, you know, depression that comes and goes in your family, or you can have a psychotic break like my mother. We should take care of all of them as well. You're, you're absolutely right. As you were talking about this, this idea of the, the shameful secrets in our families. And I, um, unfortunately just had the, um, just got the news that, uh, my oldest uncle, my, my mom is one of 15. So you can imagine wow. the number of, uh, the number of stories <laughs> of that family. But my oldest uncle, he's 78 and has been diagnosed with leukemia. And, uh, oh, and, I'm and so he sorry. says, you know, yes. And I appreciate that. And he says, you know, I, I've lived a good life and, and there's definitely a large number of, um, you know, his sons, my cousins and, um, in in our family. Um, but it's not a shameful secret, right? It's not, you know, right. Hey, your, your uncle just, you know, um, even to the point of maybe if it was dementia or something like that, it, it might not have widely been been communicated. Uh, you know, we talk about these things, we talk about these physical illnesses, and 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 yes, there is um, a question and concern, and the family will rally around my uncle um, as they are. But then also, if it were something separate, it would be it, it would be separate, right? It, it wouldn't be something mm -hmm. that people would rally around. Um, and this is the challenge, right? You know, we, we say that, you know, as you said, not enough mental health professionals, but if somebody breaks a leg, well, I'm not a doctor, I'm going to send them to somebody that's going to fix them. Well, if somebody has depression, I'm not a mental health professional, I'm going to send them to another place. But all the way, also, I'm not going to talk about it. Right, absolutely. And, you know, the, the what we're finding, and again, it's very much like physical health. So, you know, back in the day before... Um, before cancer was something that we talked about and frankly celebrated when people um, have 
remission and are and are announced that they're cured. You know, we have we see the um, the my husband always says, you know, we can see it because we see pink tutus on streets full full of people who are 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 running or walking for breast cancer awareness, and it's the culture has really changed. But before that. People didn't talk about cancer. And before that, they didn't talk about, you know, many illnesses. Often people thought that somebody who had uh, epilepsy was possessed by, the, by demons or, you know, that, that uh, we, we, we lived through AIDS where people thought that the person was cursed. You know, it was a, a curse by God for um, uh, their immoral behavior. All these things that people believed before we found treatments and cures. And we know that if we intervene early, we know that if we help a child who is showing indications of anxiety, we can teach that child ways to manage, ways to respond, ways to, to use uh, techniques to reduce stress, and they don't develop full-blown anxiety disorders. Same with depression, um, bipolar, oh my gosh, there's been such change in how people are, are able to talk about and manage their conditions, even though with bipolar, there's not a lot of different medications, but it's how people think about and address and talk about these things. Similarly with post-traumatic stress, you know, that we have a lot to offer, but we have to talk about these things and we have to remove these barriers so that people get help. Absolutely. And we're talking about the public health approach to mental health as opposed to um, the medical model, right? You know, the public health approach to um, addressing cancer is smoking cessation and, and greater yep. awareness and things like that. Um, and, and I definitely, you had mentioned the, the five signs. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd like for you, if you would kind of go through those um, to, to help sure. the listeners uh, kind of understand what we're talking about. Sure. So we developed these um, with based on, you know, we wanted things that were observable, um, that everybody could recognize and everybody does recognize them. When we talk about these people go, oh, yeah, I I know, I see this. And this is not about labeling or diagnosing. Our goal was to create a very basic common language that would allow everyone to recognize when someone was in emotional pain. I don't care why they're in emotional pain. We first have to recognize that they are and then step in and offer support and help. So we came up with these five signs of emotional suffering. The first one is not feeling like you, change in personality. If you feel like you're not yourself or if someone else recognizes someone and says, wow, they're not acting like they're themselves, that's an indicator that something's up. We don't know what it is, but it's, it's worth noting. The second sign is agitation. Agitation can be anxiety, worry, restlessness, unable to calm. It can also be anger, road rage, you know, exploding over small things. The third is withdrawal. Not everyone is comfortable talking on podcasts or speaking in front of groups, but everyone has their social sort of comfort zone. And if someone withdraws from that, they're not going out with friends. They're not engaging in social activities. They're not going to church. They're not going to their book club. That's an indication that something is up. Again, we don't know what it is necessarily unless we ask. The fourth sign is caring for yourself or not caring for yourself. So if someone who used to take great pride in how they looked or how, you know, if I think about guys and my three brothers, 
how beautiful their cars always looked. <laughs> if they used to go to the gym and, and take care of themselves that way, or, you know, somebody isn't eating well, they're not sleeping, not taking care of themselves or engaging in reckless or dangerous behavior. And the fifth sign is hopelessness. If someone is feeling hopeless, they communicate it. They tell us in words, they tell us in deeds. So if you see these things, all of them, some of them in extreme, but if you see them over time, I mean, everybody gets in a funk, everybody's having a bad couple of days, but, but if you see this over days, at weeks, it's a sign. These are signs that tell us someone is in emotional pain. It could be that they've gone through a really bad breakup and they're struggling. It could be that they're experiencing depression or anxiety, or it could be a substance use disorder is brewing. It could be post-traumatic stress. It could be the onset of Alzheimer's or dementia. It could be that they have a physical illness that is causing them to feel so bad physically, it's affecting them emotionally. Whatever it is, we, as people who love them, should step in and say, I love you. I see these things. I don't know what's going on. I want to be of help. Right. And as you're talking, um, and I'm going through and, and obviously maybe even it, it definitely myself and uh, my father was a Vietnam veteran, three of my uncles are Vietnam veterans. Uh, but the idea of a, a veteran coming back and they've changed. My mother-in-law mentioned this to yeah. my wife. He's not the same. Um, obviously the agitation withdraw, you know, the, in, in, um, you know, joiners interpersonal theory of suicide of, of, yeah. of these things that come together, withdrawal and hopelessness and a sense of burdensomeness, um, are, are two of the most significant things. And then with veterans, of course, the acquired lethal means. Um, and so, of course, anybody who's listening to this, who is married to a veteran, is a veteran, um, has a veteran as a, a child or a sibling or works with veterans as a mental health professional, recognizes these five signs, right? I mean, it's almost like, yes. you know, um, oh, wow, we just discovered lightning. It was there all the time. Right. And, and, right. And so those are very important, but along with that, I mean, that's not just saying, um, well, here's the bad stuff. Um, the campaign to change direction has also um, developed the healthy habits of emotional well-being. Yep. So uh, that is the positive side, sort of the preventive side of that. Absolutely. And to exactly to your point, we developed those because a good public health campaign, you know, we know the signs of a heart attack. We also know basic things about heart health. Same with a stroke. Um, and so we, we want to give people basic information. So the healthy habits are, are in a way sort of meant to, to as you said, help prevent. Um, there are things, again, that we can all do. So take care of you. Eat well, sleep well, get enough exercise. People don't understand that those things, which sound like they have nothing to do with emotional health or mental health, have everything to do. Anybody who's been sleep deprived knows it starts to affect your emotional functioning, your cognitive functioning. So things that we can basically do for ourselves and remind our kids, set proper um, structure, eat well, sleep well, get enough exercise. The second healthy habit that we can all do is check in with others, whether it's your spouse, your siblings, your best friends, your pastor, your doctor, a counselor, Check in. Make sure that we are sharing how we're doing on the inside and that we're asking for our loved ones to share with us. Check in with each other. It is basic. It is powerful. 
and it keeps us connected and keeps people understanding how we're doing that keeps us safe. The third is engage friends and family. Um, I, I like to talk about relationships, especially when I'm talking with um, young people, you know, college, high school. And I say, you look, if your relationship is a train wreck, you cannot be emotionally healthy. I don't care what you tell yourself. So if you look around and you see in your relationships that they're very unhealthy, obviously domestic violence is at, at, at the extreme end of that. But if they're just running you ragged and drained and you're crying more than you're laughing, that's an, something that you need to take a look at that is not good for you emotionally. The fourth healthy habit is relax and reduce stress. Life is stressful. Not all stress is bad, but it's something that we need to be aware of, mindful of, tons of things. Find what works for you. I swim. I used to run till my knees started to go and I was like, okay, time to start something that's a little less jarring. I swim. I meditate when I can. Um, people use prayer. They garden. They cook. They sing. They dance. Whatever is good for you, do it and do it on a, in an intentional way. And the last um, healthy habit is know those five signs. So if you start to see them in yourself or someone you love. And obviously, there are more healthy habits and there are more signs. But this is a nice, simple way for, to give people enough information that if you do these five things, you're going to stay pretty healthy emotionally. You at least are going to make sure that people around you know if you're not and they can help you get additional help. And you're going to know if something is going wrong that you need really to bring in and wrap around additional support and services. See, and, and those are very significant as you're talking. And again, this isn't specifically around veterans, right? This is um, universal. Everybody. You mentioned yes. um, university students. And my daughter just completed yes. her first year of college. Um, and many oh, people. Congratulations. We, we appreciate that. We're through the, <laughs> yes. through the barrier. Um, but one of the things, yep. and I'll, I'll mention her school. She goes to University of North Colorado because they do something that I think from a mental health professional standpoint that is excellent that um, in the first semester of their first year, they were require every new student um, to go through a wellness class. And part of that wellness class is a, a, a group therapy session. It's essentially a processing group um, once a week. Um, and there was a, a point, right? I mean, and this is this, this yes. goes back to that idea of, of there is a change. And the, change is, <laughs> yes. the change is happening because the university, obviously, because and many people who may not be familiar with this is the, the suicide rate among college students is as astronomical as it is in the yes. country in general. Um, but I even recall my daughter at one point saying, man, I've had a really bad week. Good thing I had group this afternoon. Um, and, yes. and honestly, I don't even want to make it sound like it was a bad week. Her, um, her boyfriend lost his mother and it was a very stressful, Ooh. I mean, it was a literally stressful week yes. and, and we were talking about it and she said, good thing I have group this afternoon yes. so I can work through this. And, and, and huh. sort of, I mean, and this is the, the thing that we're trying to do and what you're trying to do with the week to change direction and, and to, in the campaign to change direction overall is to make that experience more common in every sort of, um, yes community group. Yes. And if we, you know, back to when we began uh, campaign to change direction in 2015, the goal was if we change the broader culture, then our service members, our veterans, those, those, by being a members of that, those groups, family members, individuals who serve veterans, families of the fallen, 
they are at higher risk. And so are other groups in our, our, our broader culture, our broader society. So if we change overall, then we make it much, much more likely that we're going to lower risk factors, make sure people get support, get help. It makes me, I'm sitting here smiling so broadly because of what you shared about your daughter's school. I have one daughter who just finished college, who's on her way to become, she's going to graduate school now, to become a psychologist, big shocker. And I have another one who's on her way um, to college. Her, she starts her freshman year um, in the fall. And we were very impressed when we went um, and visited her school because they too are including and engaging and involving students in wellness, well-being, um, very, very focused. So I agree with you. We are seeing changes, but we, we still have a lot more to do, which is why we decided to have a whole week focused on encouraging everyone to get involved, show what you know, um, help us change the culture of mental health. Yes, and I and I appreciate that when um, when I was contacted um, and and asked if if I'd be willing to participate as as many organizations around the country have been, um, I absolutely agree. Being able to, um, in any way, a, a small way, um, any any one individual impacted um, is is the the thing that's necessary. Uh, and yep. so, in and this is, and I say it often with a lot of my guests, as we could talk about this for a very, very long time. Um, <laughs> but, but unfortunately, um, you you do have limited time uh, because because you're doing very many things and are very busy. So, if somebody wanted to learn more about the campaign to change direction mm-hmm. um, and and what you're doing, then how can they find that out? So, all they need to do is go to changedirection.org. That's our our designated site that focuses on the campaign to change direction. They can also visit givenhour.org where you can learn about giving help if you are a mental health professional or if you just want to volunteer with us. We have about 1,100 non-mental health professionals. We have about 7,000 mental health professionals who have given collectively 284,000 hours over the years. Uh, that we have been giving free care. So either one of those sites, they cross-pollinate. Um, and we we very much want people to um, follow us, uh, whether following me at B. Van Dalen on Twitter, um, following at Given Hour, uh, Signs for Change is our, our um, change direction um, Twitter handle. And, and, and tell us what you're doing Use the hashtag, hashtag change direction or hashtag change mental health. We track those. We amplify. We elevate. We love to know um, when organizations are, are wanting to adopt and use. You can download free. You can download um, the images to do wallet cards for campaign to change direction and posters. If you want more material, we have a way that you can easily contact us and we can talk about what it is you're doing, how you can help. We, we need to make this change. Um, we, Duane, you and I know it, and I think more and more people are understanding that it's okay to talk about these things. And not only is it okay, but if we do talk about our own emotional health and well-being, the challenges, the successes we've had, the setbacks, the successes again, not only do we pull ourselves forward, we can literally save someone's life by sharing with them. They may share with us. 
Yes, and, and and that's absolutely true, you know, and and um no no one of us is as strong as all of us. And and if um right. you know you and I individually are sledgehammering this inflection point that Vice President Biden was talking about to break down this wall, um, you know, how much more effective are we in breaking down that wall if if hundreds or thousands of people yes. would actually do the same thing? Um I really absolutely. appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you, Duane, and thank you for for always amplifying, lifting this up, giving your listeners information, hopefully um, inspiration, so that they too get involved. Um, as you said, you know we're so much stronger together. We do need to look to the right and to the left always. Make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and the people we love, and and the only way to get there is to have these conversations. So thank you so much. I, I love your show. I'm happy to come on anytime. Um, so let us know what we can do to be of help to you. Certainly. Thank you. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, where we're trying to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health. While the Campaign to Change Direction is not about veteran mental health specifically, I'm pleased to be able to highlight what the Campaign to Change Direction is doing to change the way that we think and talk about mental health, because that's what we're trying to do here on the Headspace and Timing blog and podcast. As Dr. Van Dalen said in the episode, it's happening. The conversation is changing. As much as it's changing, however, I also hear people still talk about it as a secret. I have people reach out to me on social media through direct message. I've been out for 10 years and have struggled to get involved with something as meaningful as when I was in the military. I'm trying to understand my spouse or child or sibling. I've had folks say that their marriage is breaking up and that they don't blame their spouse for not wanting to stick around. The veteran would have left a long time ago. Even though the conversation is happening, it's not happening enough. Not in public and not in private. We didn't make advances in treating cancer or AIDS or tuberculosis by keeping it a secret. We made advances by having open and honest discussions about it. That's what the Campaign to Change Direction is trying to do. Bring the discussion out into the open and change the way that we talk about it. Make sure that you go to changedirection.org to see everything that's happening in your community about mental health and start talking. You never know the difference you'll make. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, go to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash HST123. If you want to show your support for the work that we're doing, make sure to leave an honest rating or review on the podcast player of your choice. We're always looking for guests, either veterans or those who support them. You can drop me a line at info at VeteranMentalHealth.com to recommend guests, or you can go to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash guest to fill out a suggestion or request. I'm happy to announce that I've released a paperback version of the first Headspace and Timing book. It's been available on Kindle for a couple of years, but now you can get it along with Combat Vet Don't Mean Crazy. To check it out, go to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash HST book. Just a reminder that the guests and information on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be considered professional advice. While I am a practicing therapist, I'm not your therapist. If something you've heard makes you think that you should talk to somebody, then reach out to do so. I'd like to thank Doc Todd for giving us permission to use his track Not Alone from his album Combat Medicine. Doc's trying to bring the discussion about veteran mental health out of the darkness, and you can see all of his work at therealdoctod.com. Make sure to join us for the next episode. Hit subscribe on your podcast player of choice so you don't miss it. Until then, remember veterans, you're not alone. Ever. 
The struggle is real, found a feast and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that try to put an end to me R.I.P. I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.